Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're back with you for the next couple of hours talking sports and appreciate you spending uh, some of that uh, period of time with us. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Ben Kirchival covers college football, amongst other things, for CBSSports.com. He will join us at 1030. I'm assuming we will... Uh, get pick his brain on uh, what may be behind the Bill Moose situation. If you haven't been on Twitter, Bill Moose, the athletic director, uh, as of about 9 o'clock this morning, the speculation began to flow. The Lincoln Journal-Star had it first. Bill Moose is out. He hired Scott Frost, likewise Fred Hoiberg. What's behind it? Uh, still... Uh, nothing certain, nothing definitive yet. I We have a call in to Stephen M. Sipple. I don't think he's going to have time to join us today. <laughs> I understand if he doesn't, um, but uh, potentially he will uh, text me back because I asked him, you know, what's going on, Sip? And if he does have time, I assume he'll help his buddies out here in central Iowa. But then Ben Kershaval will join us at 10.30. At 11.05, Tom Kakert on Iowa, and I'm assuming he get his take on mm-hmm. what's going over to the west of us in Lincoln. And then uh, Dave Sproul at 11.25 on Iowa State. Before we give four of our listeners an opportunity to win some barbecue from Claxons, that'll come up about 11.45. Again, you can only play, regardless if you win, you can only win or play once a month. So once a month, uh, we'll take uh, you get the opportunity to participate, and we'll do that coming up here at 11.45 as we take you just before noon. It was a good day in sports yesterday, TC, capped off by a no-no by the Cubs. Uh, the Habs punched their ticket to the Cup final. Ba- the basketball wasn't good. No. I mean, it wasn't entertaining. It was good if you bet the Clippers. As a couple people in our Bet yeah, Rivers contest did. Jeez, and right back in it with a couple yeah. of guys. A couple of guys you wanted knocked out, one in particular. Yeah, one of the uh, former champions, Ken Miller, my partner's one of them, Justin Smool, the other one. Right, and Smool's back in. He went all in, too. It's not like he was down to 20 bucks. It was like, oh, I'll try to double up. No, right. he had like 150 bucks in there. Yeah. He's in third place. Pushed all of his chips into the middle of the table. Andrew Downs is nipping at my heels. I, I think he's less that. than 20 bucks away from me. I'm I'm getting nervous. I, for a while... I thought you were home free. I thought I was in really good shape. Yeah. I was over $120 up on everybody at one point. Then and you got chip, conservative. Chip, I'm very conservative. I've been betting a lot of $5 bets yeah. here. That's not the way to win a championship, Ken Miller. No, indeed it isn't. Well, uh, you, it's fun to watch you guys and follow along. Um, and we appreciate Bet Rivers. We appreciate DraftKings. We're just glad there's sports wagering in our wonderful. Can you imagine? I can't. I really can't. You know, I I think of my buddies in Minneapolis. Yeah, they, who can't bet? They can't they come across the border or do illegally. And they're degenerates like me. Uh-huh. They've been betting like me for decades and still have to rely on offshore. And at that point, I, these states have to understand this, right? Well, Louisiana joined in the middle of the week. They, Number thirty. If you if you include DC, okay. Um, Florida is on the cusp, mm-hmm. although it's not sounds like it won't happen before 2022, so they won't make football. 
uh, California seems to be, you know, two steps forward, three steps back type of thing. We'll see, but it's coming and then it's it's sweeping the country. But like you say, I mean, I can't but I can't imagine <laughs> life without sports wagering in our state anymore. I knew it was going to be popular, <laughs> but boy, oh boy, I think it's exceeded all expectations. So where do we start, Trent Condon? You know, maybe my biggest takeaway from yesterday of all the sports. <laughs> Did you see the picture on Twitter? Of Tristan Wirfs and Caden Proctor. Now, Wirfs showed up at some camp that's going over in Iowa City. Oh, okay. Tristan Wirfs is a pretty big dude. Yes, he is. So he's pictured with class of 2023. So that makes Proctor 15? Probably. Yeah, that's fair. 15 years old? Wirfs looks like the 15-year-old standing beside (laughs) Caden Proctor from Southeast Polk. I think it's on Rivals. I can't remember. But... Trent, I mean, I knew he was big, but when you mm-hmm. put him beside a starting NFL Pro Bowl right tackle, he makes Wirfs look tiny. And he's not just a big body. I mean, you see a lot of kids at the high school level that are his just ar- that. It's not his legs are like tree trunks. His arms mm-hmm. are like tree trunks. He just completed his sophomore year of high school. Jesus. And he looks like that. This young man had an offer from Michigan before he'd ever played a varsity snap. Mm-hmm. Not Northern Michigan. Michigan right. offered him before he had ever played a varsity snap as a 14-year-old. Uh. He is incredible. He has always been that kid. And it's the athleticism coupled with the size. He is an absolute monster. And I've told you before, because this is the one thing, and maybe the feather in the cap for Iowa, is that Tristan Wirfs, he's a big fan of him. He has been. right Now, he also has his sights set Mentor. on... The LSU's and Alabama's sure. and Notre Dame's of the world. This is not going to be an easy one because everybody, literally everybody, <laughs> wants this kid. But Iowa has a, a chance here on this one. Do, do, does Southeast Polk make it to Ankeny this this fall? I oh, mean, it's they a great question. To, they have to play the Hawks or the Jags. The, the, this is a kid that makes me want to leave leave the couch on the. Oh wow! I we mean, could get you out on a Friday. Well, I'm not saying the entire Friday, but uh-huh. it depends on the college game that. Uh, uh, that's up on. I mean, this, I want to see this guy just dominate because I have to assume he does. He does. He, he does, and he did from really the first moment he stepped oh, on a football field as a freshman at the varsity level. He is that good. All right, Southeast Polk. Let's find the running Rams and their schedule coming up here for 2021. They're in Group Five. All right, they open up. Well, we mentioned this. Dowling Catholic yep. comes in Week Two. Valley makes their way over there. They go to Waukee Northwest in week three, and week four, they'll be in Ankeny Good. to take on the Hawks. That will be the matchup September 17th. I'm a definite maybe for that game. Anyway, so that just, if, you, if you're on Twitter, uh, no, it's actually, you know what? It's, it's a 24-7. Sean Bach oh, okay. from yep. 24-7 Sports. S. Bach 247, if you want to see the picture, S. Bach 247. You tell me, to take a look at the picture. You tell me who the starting right tackle on the Super Bowl champion is. It's not the guy in the white shirt. It's the guy in the black shirt and the Nike shirt. At least that's what it looks like in the picture. Anyway, so uh, the Cubs, you want to start there? You want to do basketball last night? You know, let's do basketball because you know where I thought the game was was decided? At the end of the third quarter, mm-hmm. with two three-pointers in the final five seconds. Look, Paul George had a prayer, right? But it's going to happen. These yep. guys are pros, and it's playoff Paul. Um but the two three-pointers, Kennard made the first one, four seconds left. Yes. And then they got the ball, they got the ball back after a free-throw sequence. 
I don't remember which son was shooting, made one of two, and then George hit a prayer. I mean, it was a five-point difference inside four seconds in what was a five- or a six-point game at the time. Yeah, they were coming on the run, uh-huh. and I jumped aboard live betting right at that point. I, I felt like I had timed it very well. I think I got the Suns both on the money line at plus 380, something like that, to come back and win the game after they'd cut it to six. And I'd also bet them live at like plus nine and a half. I, I was feeling good. And that sequence, oh. and then the fourth quarter comes in. And it just, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it, it was one of those. And you see this in NBA games where teams just can't get over that right. hump in the first right. four minutes. And you know it's not going to And then going they're going to trade baskets yeah. after that at that point. Yeah, and that's that seemed the way, like it. That's the way it played out. But I was shocked yesterday because I was excited about the game. Felt like it was going at a pretty good level. And then mm-hmm. I watched so much hockey last night. It was great, Trent. And watching Price, some of the saves that he mm-hmm. was making. He's, there's a reason that he's um, called the best goalie in the game. And, yeah. and, and he's still, I think he's, he's only in his early 30s. He's, he's fantastic. I mean, and he has been from the moment he, um, he came into the league. And the pressure... It's it's you know the pressure of being a starting quarterback in New York, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's pressure. Yeah. The pressure of being the goalie in Montreal in hockey crazed Montreal. And I know that no one will heed this advice. But if you have a a bucket list and you have a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of time on your hands, watching a Saturday night hockey night in Canada game at the Bell Center is an experience to behold. Really? And I've done it twice and I'm so glad that I did. Well, a hockey's in my blood, right? Sure. Uh, but it is—it's absolutely spectacular. I mean, every single when you when you leave your seats and you're going through whatever tunnel you go to up to the concourse, every single tunnel has a band playing. Regardless if you walk out and you walk, probably I don't know ten different little, you know, guitar and uh, just entertainment during uh, between periods and. The two languages, the Francais and and the English, and it's really special. It's a really, really unique event. Now, sadly for them, it sounds like that the Canadian government, and I think they have control over the province of Quebec. Maybe not. I could be wrong. But it's still, they're going to limit it to 3,500 fans in the building. So that's what it was last night. But didn't it seem like more? It did. And it certainly would have felt, if the camera angle was the other way, where you would have where most of the fans were on the mm-hmm. other side, kind of on the camera side, I think it would have felt even more. But then they do the crowd shots outside. There's 20,000 <laughs> no. Montreal just goofballs out there no. having a great time, sucking on Molson and and doing their thing. Doesn't that kind of say to... Yeah, Trent, I'm with you. <laughs> ...the government, all right. Yeah. You, you know, so is there a delay in vaccinations up there? Yeah, it's, it's still, there's still uh, people that are... That want to remember when the first, when the vaccination wave came here and we were all getting our first and couldn't wait till we got our second. Yes, they're they're just now starting to get around to that second for people who okay. want them. Um, the funny thing about not funny uh, an, another aspect of the game last night after the game at the Bell Center they wouldn't let the thirty five hundred fans out they locked them in oh no because of the twenty thousand people outside. <sighs> Jeez. So, because the government's got control of what's going on indoors, and they wanted them to uh, just let them go, yeah. let them have fun. They're outside. There's nothing that means more than than a Stanley Cup, and they are. I want to say, right behind the Yankees as far as championships. What do the Yanks have? Twenty eight. That sounds right. Yes, I think they had twenty seven and won their twenty eighth. Montreal's got 
24, 23, some, but they, I, I believe they're second as far as uh, North American pro sports franchises championships. I mean, they dominated uh, the 60s and the 70s till the Islanders took over. And by the way, there's a game seven with them tonight. 24. 24 going, 24 right now. 24. And are they second? They have to be. I would think so, yeah. Yankees just... won, uh, Habs too. Yeah. But um, it, it's, a, it's a phenomenal hockey town. It's a, it's a terrific building to be in, to participate in. And if you're a hockey fan and you're so inclined, you got time and the wherewithal to get there and your passport's in line and you um, just want to spend a weekend it's a beautiful city it's a wonderful wonderful historic city and then if you have some time get in the car and drive an hour and go to quebec city because that's like going to europe on a um you know on, on the cheap yeah if you will <laughs> it's not nowhere near the plane ride it's beautiful anyway so uh, the hockey was good uh-huh. game seven tonight we'll bring that up with claxons so once again we have a, a no hitter in baseball but this one i don't want to say it feels different but the uh, the enforcement of the sticky tack is is in place now, and you know that's why in April, when all of the no hitters, we were talking about the well, the pitcher's got a big edge. I don't think that anybody can um, uh, can have that uh, criticism here today. As Davies was good, he outpitched Walter Bueller for mm-hmm. crying out loud, which I didn't think was going to happen. And then to Para and uh, to Chafin to Kimbrel. Uh, now, I'll, uh, to be perfectly honest, I didn't see Chafin. I didn't see Kimbrel <laughs> because Tapera got through the seventh, and I um, I didn't sleep much the night before. Knowing that, I guess, yeah, yeah pretty, pretty fired up for yesterday, so I just couldn't. I was done. Yeah, I was on e, um, and the beer was flowing a little bit more last night. <laughs> a little celebratory, yeah, kind of right. Had an extra one. Had nothing wrong. Just with one that. more quick story on that. I just yeah. got to tell this story because I got such a kick out of it. Uh, so as you saw, you saw the bouquet that the Wild Rose gave me, like mm-hmm. ten huge balloons and a huge picnic basket it's full of food yeah so i take it home bring it into the house put it on the counter kind of like a kid putting something up on the fridge right (laughs) waiting for my wife to get home (laughs) cindy comes through the door walks into the kitchen oh well what's that well wild rose gave me that well for what well honey it's my 25th anniversary of what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Come on, right? This has been something that you've been pointing to for a long time. Right? You've been talking about a lot. I got to get to June 24th. Uh-huh. I, I've heard that. We've had those conversations. And <laughs> Cindy just... What, for what? Baffled. <laughs> just unreal. Uh, anyways. So. Is it, isn't it, though? And you know how often we get crap as men for <laughs> not being there, being checked out at times? Yeah. You know, you're looking at Twitter again. You're watching the game. You're not paying attention. And then you have things like that that pop up, just yep. like that. And I've had those at home, too. But I never stick it back in, right? You just It's just... My wife has never listened to me on the air, I'm assuming once. Yeah. Right? She's the oldies. Mm-hmm. She's just, her radio's on. That's what she's listened to. But it felt so good about what we'd done for two hours, and I'm uh-huh. feeling really good about getting to that mark, and then wham. What's that? <laughs> back to reality. <laughs> Anyways, I thought I found it funny. That was great. Did, any other stories from yesterday that we didn't get to or that popped up into your head? Afterwards, I was wondering oh, that. Oh, you know, I, I I saw some people on Twitter telling different stories or different segments, you know, that had come up, which are are always fun. And I know how it is; they just kind of fall out of the back of your mind, right? You know, right. it's it's on to the next one. Mm-hmm. But anything, anything that kind of you're sitting there. Oh, I wish I would have brought that yeah, up. Yeah, not. I don't. I don't know. You think we did? Um, 
I think we did. I think you ran through history. it all, yeah. Yeah, maybe could have spent a little bit more time on some different areas, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it was it was fun, you know. And, and the people that um, you know that that loved the jock, right? You know that uh, were couldn't believe sports talk had come to Des Moines, um, and it was very apparent very quickly. But we got some here, mm-hmm. you know. Despite what everybody, everybody, uh, the suits. Uh, in the radio industry locally we're saying no you're wrong got something here anyways uh, so Ben Kirchival is coming up we'll get into uh, a number of things with Ben that the quarterback list he put out but Bill Moose so what do you think's behind this Trent what uh, and and what does this mean now not necessarily for Hoiberg I think more so for Scott Frost because by all accounts Bill Moose has been the I mean that's his guy, right? Yes. This is this is his protection, and I don't have any idea who they're going to. You know, Trev Alberts is always going to be that name, right? Mm-hmm. To bring Trev Alberts home, um, but but what is what does this mean for Frosty, the coachman, going into this season? For the here and now, I don't think it's a huge deal because the likelihood that they're going to have an athletic director in place by December, boy. Well, maybe it can happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's still June. And whoever that guy is, in all likelihood, won't. that's not Frost. Frost's oh, yeah. not his guy. Absolutely. Now, it could happen that they hire a Steve, or Steve, Scott Frost, um, you know, a guy that, that appreciates him and thinks that he's mm-hmm. the right guy. But I don't know. The departure starting there for Moose. This guy, out of the blue, seemingly. He's a loudmouth. Uh-huh. I mean, he, he plays to that fan base incredibly well. Yeah, he says the things that mm-hmm. gets them riled up, that gets them to open up their checkbook, and when they're going to the VFW and Kearney, sure, <laughs> yeah, and it's packed, and it's packed, yeah, and simple as the the PA, and yeah. he's, he's leading yeah. things off. Him or Sean Callahan, yeah. they rotate. Yeah, that he plays really well to that sure. portion of the fan base. And last year, when he threatened to go. Not, I don't know if it was a threat that he was going to carry out, mm-hmm. but he certainly, like you said, to use playing to the fan base, we're playing football, whether yeah. it's in the Big Ten or not. We're going to we're going to get, present football. And every time that they do get sand kicked in their face, he's there. He was there to to try to paint it in a different kind of picture. The scheduling that came out after they finally did decide to play Big Ten football. And there were complaints, and they were at the forefront of that, the Ohio State game and everything else. But he said what the fans were saying. He was that mouthpiece mm-hmm. of the jerk on the message board, yeah. you know, the goober <laughs> on Twitter. That was Bill Moose. He was that guy, <laughs> and I think it worked well. That's a different job. That is a job that football we know is king. Yeah. But the other minor, quote-unquote, minor sports, the Olympic sports, they draw incredibly well. Oh, volleyball. Look at what volleyball does over baseball. there. Baseball. This is a baseball, baseball program. Absolutely. In Lincoln, Nebraska, yes. that has made College World Series, yes. and they invest in it. And you go on down. They invest in their other sports. It is not just football. That is a part I think people don't realize about Nebraska athletics as a whole. So how does it happen like this? He said, though he's 70, he was going to be the AD mm-hmm. until the end of his contract mm-hmm. a year and a half from now. Mm. Now, this isn't. If it was next summer, of course. We knew it was kind of happening. His contract comes to an end. That makes sense. Here, is there something else going on? It feels wonder, that way. It, it does. Um, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, he had a uh, an interview set up with Moose this morning. Just a state of the program. By the way, state, speaking of state of the programs, if you're an athletic subscriber and you're an Iowa State fan, uh, your state of the program 
uh, published today at The Athletic. So clone fans, if you've been waiting for a reason to uh, to invest $4 a month or maybe there's a um, you know temporary 7 I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the state of the program. I haven't read it yet. Max Olson write, wrote it, but it published at some point this morning. Um, but I, I don't know what's behind it. Adam Rittenberg was, had, like I say, had an interview all lined up. He was going to uh, interview him this morning, just get the latest, and it was canceled last night, Rittenberg says. So uh, potentially this um, this domino started to fall at some point, but what pushed the first domino? What is behind this? That's what I want to know because timing-wise... I don't see this. Is this the time to do it? I mean, I don't know what. It doesn't seem like this is the time that ADs normally walk the plank. No. And ultimately, I think this has to have to do something with football, right? I I mean, that's what moves the needle over there. Where Bill Moose, he has been, he has backed Scott Frost. Well, without a doubt. That's his guy. Yes. He has been in his corner the Uh whole way. This was his home run hire. Yes. And is there a segment of donors that have said, look, it's win now, or we got to move on? And and didn't he say, he's got expectations on this team He does. He year. said it'll be a huge disappointment if they don't win eight or nine games this I think, year. I think he said eight, yep. So, okay. And I think that's fair for Nebraska, of right? Of course it is. It's about time. Because the defense did take a big step forward I last think so. year. Uh-huh. I still think Martinez can be an above-average quarterback in this league. Boy, he's think, running out of time to do it, though. He is, but I think they're good enough as long as they can find some skill uh-huh. position guys. The offensive line has made improvements. They are trending towards how you win in the Big Ten West. They're finally getting more physical. And how it's taken them this long to figure that out, right. that's a different conversation. But it feels like they're getting there. But maybe that booster base says, that's not good enough. We we don't have the right guy. We're not seeing mm-hmm. it. And if it isn't winning in a big way, if it isn't 9-3 and three or better, we want to make a change. And Bill Moose says, I'm not dealing with this. I, I'm walking away before that even comes to fruition, if it does I come just, December. I, I just hope we get some clarity. I'm sure we will uh, here at some point today or certainly over the weekend. And what, once Sipples, it calms down over there, uh, he, he'll join us at some part. Well, Troy, go back to last last year. I mean, unfortunately, Iowa's crossover game was canceled, right, mm-hmm. uh, against Michigan. But do you remember, it was a Friday night. I don't know, you might have had high school basketball, but Rutgers and Nebraska oh, were yeah. playing on the Big Ten Network. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Rutgers was going to beat them. Yeah. And can you imagine if they would have gone into the winter months? Because they only won, what, three games last year? Is that what it was? I think it was three, and that was the third, obviously. And, and Rutgers had them on the ropes. It's um, It hasn't gone well. The Scott Frost era has not gone well, putting it mildly over there when you consider expectations that ha- that are there and should be there with this program. Four and eight, five and seven, three and five. Yeah. Hasn't even had a winning record. Hasn't even it's, been it's 500. Bonkers. It's bonkers. And the schedule this year, have you looked at the schedule this year for Nebraska? I've taken a peek. It's been a while, though. Well, let's, uh, let's go through it. Because well, I they, remember what happens right away. Right away on uh, yes, um, they take on Illinois, Illinois. and and I'm planting my flag. Here, here's a prediction for you, June 25th, and that's a, that's that opening weekend. That's that weekend week before zero. Labor Day, week zero, right? Bielema's going to win there. Mm. Bielema's going to be a Could. problem for Wisconsin and Iowa and Northwestern, and this will be Bielema's first game, and it's in. Not, I mean, not that it's a don't you don't want to go to shit. You don't walk <laughs> into Champagne very often. Walk out with a win, but. 
they Illinois killed Nebraska last year, and Illinois stunk. Yep. Uh, Lovey was walking out the door, <laughs> and they put it to the Cornhuskers <laughs> last year. So here's the schedule. So Illinois, uh, Illinois comes up first. Then they get uh, a Fordham. So okay, big deal. <laughs> Buffalo, okay, they're decent. They're decent. They always are decent. Mm-hmm. But get this. Uh, so they're three games into it. I have no idea what their record will be. Let's say they've won two. Okay. Here comes that trip to Oklahoma. It's not where be. Oklahoma wanted the game in prime time so they could rub their Husker, uh, the Husker nose uh, in what once was as good a rivalry as there is in college football. Then they go to East Lansing. Uh, Tucker's got the program, I think, headed in the right direction. It's a toss-up game, but it's on the road. Mm-hmm. Northwestern, Michigan, at Minnesota, Purdue to end October. Is there two more wins in that in in that sequence? I think so. Okay, you'll be you got them beating Purdue. You yeah. got them beating Minnesota. Uh, Mich- Northwestern. Okay, so there's there's the two wins. Calendar flips to November, and there is a buy in there. But they start hosting the Buckeyes by week. Off they go to Madison. Have fun. Home to the Hawks. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. They better have the hay in the barn by the time the month of November shows up on the calendar. And I don't believe they will. The three winningest programs in the Big Ten the last six years. (laughs) Here they come. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. That's how you wrap things up. And if you're not at six. And there's a new guy. And the new guy is there because the old guy who lost his gig in in late June uh, was too protective of his football coach. You gotta wonder. Mm-hmm. You gotta wonder. Ben Kershaw coming up next. Miller and Condon with you until noon uh, in the eleven o'clock hour. Tom Cakert on Iowa. Uh, Dave Sproul on Iowa State. And Claxon's Barbecue giveaway. Four of our listeners again. You can only play once a month. Once a month, whether you win or not, you can only play once a month. Miller and Condon till noon. Fourteen sixty KXNO one hundred six point. For details. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Good morning, Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Bill Moos apparently out at Nebraska as the athletic director. We'll get into that momentarily with our friend Ben Kirchival from CBSSports.com. Also did a, uh, a very in-depth piece on ranking the college football quarterbacks in different tiers. Uh, makes you think when you read the piece, and Ben will be uh, opining on that here momentarily. Uh, coming up in hour number two, we will have Tom Kekert on the Hawks. Likewise, Dave Sproul on Iowa State, and then give you an opportunity to win some Claxons barbecue. Let's get to Ben Kershaw. Ben, uh, thank you for coming on. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, always appreciate uh, you finding time for us. Ben, how are you? I'm great, guys. How about you? Good. Uh, let's get to Bill Moose. And uh, seemingly came out of nowhere that this uh, uh, this speculation, I think it's more than speculation at this point, that Bill Moose, AD at Nebraska, is going to be out. Uh, timing-wise, just, um, again, I think it caught a lot of people off guard. What do you think is uh, what do you think's behind it? Any idea, Ben? So a couple of things. First of all, I just came across the wire. It's official. He's, re- he's retiring. "Quote unquote." Uh, that's how that that's how that's being positioned. Uh, it might have been the athletic that reported. I, I mean, it would I think make sense because it's probably the case for every school. Uh, you know, fiscal year ends at the end of the month, so you okay. know probably a good time to make a change if you're going to do it that way. Uh, 
So <laughs> Sean Eckhorst had a longer tenure than Bill Moose. Think about that. Crazy. So let's, 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 let's think about that for a second as <laughs> Nebraska continues to try to somehow, some way, figure out in the post-Tom Osborne era mm. where it's going. And uh, so if you look back at Bill Moose, his time in Lincoln, hired Scott Frost seemed like a he, – he got the job in October 2017, a month after Eckhorst was let go. Hired Scott Frost, and everyone goes, well, that's a slam dunk, right? That, that, that fell in the old bread basket for you, the prodigal son coming home, coming off of an undefeated season at UCF. I'm not saying Scott Frost won't work out in Nebraska. Certainly he'll get about as much time as anybody's going to get at that job to try to get it turned around, but so far hasn't panned out. Hires uh, Fred Hoiberg, uh, who was clearly in demand after being named the NBA's worst coach and fired <laughs> from the Chicago Bulls. Uh, that has not worked out. They're in the middle of a giant football facilities project, and of all the things that has happened at Nebraska over the past few years under Moose, maybe the most notable, at least recently, is, uh, is, is talking some crap, talking a big game about we'll play football wherever the hell we yeah. want to in 2020, uh, even though everyone's going, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and then getting your butt whipped by Ohio State to the court of 52-17 and finishing 3-5. and five. Uh, yeah, that might do. It's incredible that uh, the tenure has gone the way that it is. You mentioned the program, and it felt like they got the guy. They got the right guy to build that thing back up. What's a realistic expectation for Nebraska football? Say, a good five-year run. What is it now in today's day and age of college football? That's a good question because I think Nebraska's trying to figure out what that is. You know, there, there was a time you know, 30 years ago when the recruits that you needed and the style of play that you were running, you could get those kids, you know, locally. And, yeah, you have enough of a cachet that you can still kind of recruit nationally, but, you know, I don't know that you're getting the, the players necessary to to compete for national championships, and I don't know that reasonable common Nebraska fans necessarily feel that that's what you got to do, but man, you got to, especially with Scott Frost, you got to do better than five and seven. I mean, even yeah. Bo Pelini <laughs> made some Big Ten championship games, and you know, everyone dogged on him for going nine and four every year, and there's you know, Frank Stolich, coach until mm-hmm. he's 150 at right. Ohio University, doing pretty well there, living that life. And so you're going, alright, what's your ceiling? Is it nine, ten wins? making the Big Ten championship game. And, and Because when you look across the Big Ten and across the landscape, I mean, there's about four programs that are just on another level. And Ohio State's one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make it really hard to win a Big Ten title in the foreseeable future. You know, Urban Meyer steps down, Ryan Day steps in, and they're, like, better somehow. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy how that program is operating at the moment. So you want to get back to a position where, you know, you're winning some big non-conference games. You're in a position to at least get to Indianapolis. But goodness, that that even that feels like it's pretty far. 
Yeah, full disclosure, I thought that uh, Mike Riley was going to get it done when he was in Nebraska. I, I liked his, I liked the resume he showed up with. And there's just been so many that just felt like, all right, this is the one that's going to get them. Maybe not back to once they were, because I'm not, I'm convinced they never will be to, to that Nebraska that we knew in the 80s and into the 90s. But I thought that the, the turnaround was coming with him and it didn't work. And I certainly, like most people, felt that Scott Frost coming off the, as you mentioned, the undefeated season. Well, let's get to the piece that, uh, that you wrote on college football, ranking the quarterbacks, uh, in different tiers. And I thought it was really well done, Ben, because you, normally when these lists come out, it's, you know, one to a hundred or whatever, right? And, uh, but I thought, you put a lot of thought into it with a lot of different criteria. So uh, for those folks who haven't gone to CBSSports.com, and if you're a college football fan, we encourage you to do so, to read Ben's piece. Uh, ben, how did you come up with the different tiers uh, before you started ranking the quarterbacks in those tiers? Well, first of all, I appreciate you saying that I put thought into it because there's some people out there who would disagree with me. <laughs> right. uh, in, my, in my Twitter mention. So thank you for at least putting that on the So the tiers thing comes to me from the idea that, you know, there's a lot of off-season quarterback rankings, one through 25. Right. And to me, it's just you can expand on that. I mean, there's guys just playing at different levels. I mean, if you go into last year, everyone would tell you that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and then everyone else. You know, then by the end of the year, it changes. You throw Mac Jones in that conversation. Uh, Zach Wilson out of BYU, certainly. And so, okay, who's who's that elite tier that coming into the year, everyone's going, this is the year for these guys. All right, well, Sam Howell, who's probably put together back-to-back seasons that are better than anyone else in the game right now, you wouldn't really think that someone out of North Carolina would be that person, but he is. And then, you know, with Spencer Rattler, what he's done in one year as a starter and what he could do, I think he's in that uh, tier as well. And then this has been a really great time for a group of five quarterbacks. Yes. Dylan Gabriel out of UCF, uh, you know, he's a big name on there. So, I, you know, you start with that and then you kind of go from there and say, all right, who are the guys that maybe they won't, you know, be a Heisman finalist or a Davey O'Brien award winner, but, you know, they're, they're going to be all conference players put together good seasons. Uh, there's probably about another 10, 12 guys like that. And then there's just, then you get to those other big tiers which go, okay, there's like 50 quarterbacks who are just, they're starters. They're not, I don't know that they're going to, you know, really do a ton in terms of national accolades or maybe their numbers aren't quite as good, but they're not necessarily going to lose their jobs. And then with the transfer portal, that almost seems like its own thing because now you have quarterbacks moving around at an, at an alarming rate saying, all right, I'm looking for my second or maybe even my third chance to try to have a breakout year. And then you couple that with some guys like Bryce Young at Alabama where you go, we haven't seen very much of him. But goodness, he was the number one overall quarterback in his class, and everyone's been ready for him to, to take off. So you got those guys kind of lumped in together. And then you got that final tier of, all right, this, this is sort of the last chance for some of these guys. We just talked about Nebraska. Boy, we thought Adrian Martinez sure was going to be something a couple of years ago, and, and he's sitting there going, all right, they, they tried to replace him a couple of times, and that hasn't worked out. So they're almost, I don't want to say stuck with him, but you're going, okay, where is this headed? So when you view all of these players, and there's, there's 130 FBS teams. I ranked about 50 guys. That, you know, Even within about one-third of, of 
you know, all the teams in the FBS, you realize that there's these guys that are just in all different types of positions. So it was, uh, it was a lot of spreadsheets. And hmm. some guys played four games. Right. Some guys played 10 or 11. So you're trying to look for efficiency a little bit more than raw numbers and a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of different – and guys can fit in more than one tier. So to me, it's, it's much more of a fun discussion topic because a lot of these players are so different and very different circumstances. One of the guys listed of the 49 that uh, didn't make the cut – was right here in our state, Spencer Petrus. A very inconsistent year as the first-year starter. Iowa starts off 0-2. A big part of that was his play. But then they rip off six straight wins to end the season. Numbers aren't exactly pretty. One thing you brought up to me, though, we were talking off the air about this yesterday, Ben, was it was such a weird year. For a first-year starter, just the difficult nature. How much you read into what we saw from Petrus a year ago? Yeah, it's tough to say. First-year starter... Really broken up off season, mm-hmm. uh, replacing a, a guy who you know he's, he's good. You know, I mean, they had good quarterback play. Um, you know, in the years leading up to it, and got to you know, replace him, and you know, you lost you some good offensive linemen and good tight ends over the years. Okay, so that's got to figure out how to put all of that together. And Peters is one of those guys that you know I've had some people, some Iowa fans, be like, you know, what about Spencer? What about Spencer? But you know, there. First of all, he could fit in a couple of tiers because you look at Iowa, that there's a, there's a conversation that there's a quarterback battle this offseason. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. does he fit in tier five where I don't want to say he's on the hot seat. I think if the season starts tomorrow, Spencer Peaches would uh, unequivocally be the starter. But does he stay that way or is he just a guy that was had some inconsistent numbers because of circumstance? So He's someone who was a little bit difficult to, to place, and I probably would have put him more in Tier 3, which is just your, your regular FBS starters with maybe a chance to move up. But, you know, like I said, there's like 50 guys like that. You know, you can't rank them all. Uh, some might consider him a snub, but there were some other players who, you know, their numbers were better, and so they got listed and he didn't. But it's fluid. I, I try to think of it more of a – celebration of what guys uh, have done versus what they haven't done and you know there's an opportunity for him to get better uh brock purdy did make your list he's in he's in tier number two i think what i think back to purdy's 2020 season it's really a tale of two seasons because he was average i think early in the year but then became what a lot of folks thought brock purdy was where he was headed uh to finish his season and he was really good at the end uh the oregon game he didn't light him up through the air but made a couple of incredible uh drive saving drive extending runs uh in that football game when you looked at brock purdy what did you see well you mentioned him getting better throughout the the year i think that's the case for a lot of guys i mean you're trying to start a COVID shortened season. Sure. A lot, a lot. I mean, a lot of guys are just destroyed. A lot of offenses are destroyed. It's a crazy results early on. Uh, so he, he, try not to hold that against him too much. Just talked about Spencer Petrus with that, a couple losses at the beginning of the year. But with, with Brock Purdy, and there's a few things going on. I, he's, I don't know that he has the feeling of a Spencer Rattler or even really Sam Ellinger last year. Like, with a guy like Ellinger, I think he's a very good college quarterback. I don't know how he'll do in the pros, but he's a guy that if you need to put everything on his shoulders, he can do that. I don't know that that is Brock Purdy's game, even though at times, like you said, he's shown that he can do that. 
But I also don't think that Iowa State that needs to be this game. You have one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, you have really good tight ends. Their passing game is not super explosive, and that's not really Brock Purdy's fault. That I think that has more to do with the fact that they have they had kind of one wide receiver that they really relied on. So some of it is just do they have younger guys who can step up and make bigger plays through the air? I just think he's a high floor player who will probably never be the Big 12's best quarterback, but he's certainly good enough to move the chains, win games. Uh, there's been a little bit of inconsistency with him at times, but just overall, he's, he's, if you were to list it out, 1 through 25, I, I think he's a top 20, maybe top 15 quarterback in the FBS. Yeah, uh, you had Hutchinson last year. Tariq Milton hurt him not having that weapon who missed most of the season. Uh, uh, but a lot of expectations on this program, and you're right. He does have a premier running back to turn around and give the ball to. Ben Kershaval, as always, thank you for what you uh, do for us here, cbssports.com, to read Ben's piece on college quarterbacks. And thanks for opining uh, on what uh, may be happening over in Nebraska. Thanks, Ben. Have a great weekend. All right, you guys too. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Ben Kershaval uh, from CBSSports.com. And you go, you know, you go through that list. A couple of things jump out, and I think we talked about it when we had Michael Swain uh, on Tuesday. The number of Group of Five quarterbacks mm-hmm. that are very highly ranked on that list. High-end guys from yes. Allen at Liberty who might... There's a chance that dude's the number one pick overall. I mean, there's people that think he yeah. has that much upside. And if not, he'll be like the Trey Lance kind of guy. Mm-hmm. That'll be a top-five pick. Yep. I, I agree with you. It'll be Howell from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It'll be Rattler in some order. Um, yep, yeah, probably in, in the conversation with him. It's the group of five quarterbacks. It, it's your guy Ritter at, at mm-hmm. Cincinnati, who's an incredible player. And then there's guys that, you know, from where we sit, we watch Big Ten and we watch Big 12. And if you've never watched Daniels at Arizona State, yeah. he's incredibly fun to watch play, right? Um, uh, the, the kid at, uh, at Old Miss. Um, Corral. Corral, thank mm-hmm. you. He's another one of those guys. You know what's missing on the list, though, Trent? It sticks out like a sore thumb. you got to go pretty deep to find a Big Ten quarterback. Mm-hmm. This will not be the year of the QB, at least as we sit here in June. In the Big Ten. Well, and think about this. So we mentioned, of course, Petrus not on this list of the 49 guys that were listed. But even that final tier that he has, just questions need to be answered about these quarterbacks. Three of them from the Big Ten. Sean Clifford. I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions about that, yep, dude. I do, too. Adrian Martinez. Well, goes without saying. He hasn't saying. answered anything yet. Ryan Holinsky comes in from yep. South Carolina and Northwestern. Yep. It worked the first time. But those are three starting quarterbacks that... I don't have confidence in those guys that they're going to go to another level and any of those three guys. And that's that's Big Ten quarterback play. Now, the biggest thing is we don't know who Ohio State's quarterback's going to be. Is it C.J. Stroud? Is it Jack Miller? Is it Kyle McCord? Who's going to be the Buckeye quarterback? Because whoever it is... Has a stable of receivers to throw the ball to. I'm going to guess they're going to end up pretty yeah. high on the list at the end of that's the year. That's true. But right now, it's Penix at Indiana. Mm-hmm. The highest-ranked quarterback is a Hoosier. Who is coming off an ACL tear. Great point. Great. And maybe that's why he's ranked down there a little bit yes. lower. Because um, a healthy... Michael Penix is higher on this list for me. He didn't score against Penn State, by yes, the way. Yes, he did. He did not get in. It was a great cover. <laughs> well, okay. When you look at it that way, maybe he did get in. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, 10 minutes before 11. We'll come back, finish hour number one. Hawks, clones, and barbecue in hour number two. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KX and 0106. And iHeartMedia.
right, Miller and Condon, welcome back. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. We take you up until noon. Boy, the uh, Nebraska media scrambling. I've got a couple of texts out now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing, to re- no reply at all. Um, Everybody trying to break that story they first. To, what's behind it? What's behind mm-hmm. the news? And, of course, the speculation is uh, Trev Alberts is going to get a long look. Makes sense. Uh, makes sense to bring him back over there. The and, guy that cut football at Nebraska-Omaha, yeah, so go. <laughs> do, do the same. I can't see him doing that. No, no, probably not going to happen um, that way. But if we do get some news, obviously we'll share it mm-hmm. and pass it on because it is pretty big, um, pretty newsworthy. Yeah, the end of the uh, the school year uh, makes some sense, I guess. The fiscal, uh, fiscal year. year. Yep. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, that does make some sense, and uh, the Ben Kirchhoff shared. So, anyways, we'll see. Do they have a new AD by the time school starts? Because the Moose one happened quickly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do they have an AD? I don't know. Do they have somebody in mind already? I, you mentioned Trev Alberts. I, would, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just timing wise is so it's so weird. You know, you wonder. You know, here's one thing we didn't talk about. The behind. Do you remember oh, when the speculation was out there that they want out of this Oklahoma game? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that didn't go over well. No. I mean, even if even though I mean, some of the some of the people over there are realistic, they know their programs not is not a likelihood going to get their teeth kicked in. Yeah. Right. Um, but when it's seemingly Nebraska's chickening out of playing Oklahoma, right? Is this real? That had to upset some money people, I would think. That's a good call, yeah. And there's been plenty of those little stories that seem to come out in Nebraska mm-hmm. a whole lot more than we see even in our state mm-hmm. with Iowa and Iowa State. Now, the little stories obviously get amplified a lot more here, but those kind of ones that just pop up seeming a lot. But Moose, I'm sure, has been a headache for some people, too. He has, and, and um, you know, to your point, he's kind of realistic but on some of the things, but... I remember when he told Sipple at Big Ten Media Days, because I was in the media scrum, and Sip asked him about expectations. I think a successful season is 6-6. Six and six. Doesn't go over well. <laughs> Doesn't go over well. Well, but then he also has the comments and that... And they finish 5-7. and seven. Right. Is, you know, we're not going to change for them. They better get ready for us. Yeah. Get, get your licks in now, because we're coming. Yeah, that was Frost. That hasn't happened. That has not happened. You better get us now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, and at the time, I thought that, wow, okay, that's a pretty good line. Mm-hmm. Now, you better be able to back that line up because people aren't going to forget that line. Three straight losing seasons. Three straight losing seasons. And you find six wins on that schedule. It's, I can find six. I can't find seven. I, it's tough to do. And I think you're probably struggling to find six because if they, they don't have six by the time they get to November. Yeah. I mean, I guess the Iowa game will it's be... It's been a toss-up, it and, been, and it's gone true. to Iowa. That's true. And it's in Lincoln this year. It is. It well, is. Well, what's Wisconsin going to be? Is what we saw last year what this program's becoming? Or are there some cracks in the foundation that had seemed so solid? Mm-hmm. So you think there might be a false favorite at the top of the Big Ten West? I don't think that's crazy to if think, If Iowa had a quarterback, way. I don't think it's I close. agree with you. If they had a I guy agree. that I was confident there, mm-hmm. I think... Position by position, I take them over everybody in that division, I think, by a long shot. Mm-hmm. But it's a pretty big position. It is a very big opening week for for two schools. One to the west of us, uh-huh. one just to the east of us. Yep. I mean, those lid lifters, Illinois uh, for Nebraska, uh, on the road against 
Bielema in his first game, and then here with Indiana and the Hawks. Be ready. We're getting there. Be ready. Next week's July, Trent. I know. And apparently, I think Phil Steele's at Borders this weekend. Or is it, what's the what? Who survived? Barnes and Noble or Borders? Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. I think it's there this weekend. Ooh. Hour two coming up next. Fourteen sixty KXNO one hundred six point three F.